0: Last week, a word that's been buzzing around the edges for some time, stepped straight into the spotlight. Here we go, what a day breaking just moments ago. US economy shrinking for the second straight quarter. That means a recession is well underway. So what we have on our hands is a complicated, confusing economy. I know politicians don't like that because that doesn't work on a billboard. It doesn't work when you wanna beat the other side up, but that's what we've got. Data released on Thursday showed that US gross domestic product contracted for the second quarter in a row, which some consider a technical recession. It was just one day after the Federal Reserve raised interest rates by a massive three quarters of a percentage point, all with the view of trying to curb inflation. As debate grows over whether the US is already in a recession or will be, The chairman of the Federal Reserve says we aren't there yet.
1: I do not think the U.S. is currently in a recession.
0: This is BizNow Reports. We're back from summer hiatus. And on this episode, we're talking about the real estate fallout of what may or may not be a recession, but what is certainly a shift in economic conditions. I'm Miriam Hall. I'm BizNow's New York City reporter. Our UK editor Mike Phillips has been speaking to global real estate players about this market uncertainty and I asked him if the recession question is what people are thinking about.
1: I think it's something they've definitely been thinking about and playing about with for the last few months. Central banks around the world are having to raise interest rates. And obviously, the Federal Reserve has been at the front of that. And we've seen, you know, very, very quick rises in interest rates from the Fed, probably a bit quicker than the commercial real estate industry was expecting. The Bank of England hasn't raised rates at quite the same pace, but is on a similar path towards rates that are much higher than they've seen for 15 years. The ECB, has been, the Eurozone has been in a deflationary environment for, you know, 10 plus years. Uh, but even the ECB is going to be raising rates as well. And so, Almost as important for commercial real estate investment markets for the capital markets as whether we have a recession is that path towards rising rates.
2: I understand that real estate pricing has benefited greatly from something called TINA, but the reign of TINA is over. Can you explain that?
1: TINA is a great phrase which stands for there is no alternative. So in the wake of the GFC, um, central banks across the world Dropped interest rates, you know, pretty much to zero. So you've had real estate. um, Real estate has been a huge beneficiary of that. Interest rates have been have been zero. Uh, So bond rates have been close to zero or negative in a lot of countries, particularly in in Europe. And so uh, those kind of super safe bonds that, you know, investors might buy, you know, treasuries or, um, you know, gilts issued by the Bank of England or, or bonds issued by the ECB or even bonds issued by you know really big super safe corporates that that investors might have bought they've either you know provided very little return for them or in some cases actually had a had a kind of negative return for buying those bonds and so in terms of what investors have done with their money instead is buy you know good quality commercial real estate because you know you get a bit of you get a bit of yield from it even if it's kind of 2 or 3% yields in real estate have fallen to kind of historic Historic lo- lows cap rates for the uh, for the U.S. listeners. Um, cap rates are at historic lows, but they're still higher than they have been on those bonds. So for a lot of investors, as I say, um, real estate there has been no alternative. There is no alternative, but now there is. <laughs> well, now well now there is. So if uh, you know if kind of U.S. government bonds or U.K. government bonds are, are kind of you know yielding. Two percent. I don't know what they are yielding off the top of my head, but if suddenly bonds are yielding, you know, US government bonds are yielding one and a half or two percent. Why would you buy a piece of real estate that um, that yields kind of three percent? You know, that pickup you're getting, you know, the US government is never going to go broke, um, whereas there's obviously more risk from buying a buying a property that that offers you virtually the same return. So, you know, prices in commercial real estate incredibly, incredibly influenced by interest rates um, and have been for the last, you know, pretty much since since sort of early 2009, when central banks started flooding the market with, with kind of, you know, basically printing money. Um, and so for for kind of 10 or 15 years, real estate has essentially got used to an environment where interest rates are super low, and that makes the sector super attractive for um, for investors. But in this environment, you know, borrowing costs have, have gone up. If you're if the cost of debt is, you know, 4%. So Bank of America did an excellent note recently, sort of pointing out the fact that, you know, particularly in, in the US, you know, if your borrowing cost is 4%, it makes it much harder to buy a piece of real estate with a cap rate of kind of three and a half or 4% because it's actually costing you money to to borrow against it rather than making you uh, making you money. So um it's not a direct one to one correlation, but when bond rates and interest rates sort of go up, commercial real estate prices have to have to go down. So that era of you know being, you know, an absolutely brilliant bet for investors looking to put their money somewhere pretty secure is 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 pretty much over for commercial real estate. Not in every sector and not in every part of the world, but for for you know big swathes of that commercial real estate universe being you know, that that asset class where there is no alternative is, yeah, well and truly over.
2: So how are global investors behaving differently considering that environment, depending on where in the world they are?
1: So I think, you know, you're seeing, it's obviously not completely homogenous, but, you know, you are seeing very, very, um, you know, similar trends, particularly in the big gateway cities around the world. So, you know, BizNow has reported on you know sales being pulled in various markets around the world in in New York and across the the big cities in the in the US um, in the UK uh, the ba- Bank of America's headquarters which is being sold by Norge Bank um, has been you know that sale has been paused a sale of a big uh, multi-family business owned by Lone Star a sort of three billion business called Wembley you know an asset called Wembley Park that's been paused I think it's it's safe to say. Um, the investors around the world, if you're a seller, you know, people are putting their sales processes on pause because the prices that they're being offered are not the same as they would have been, you know, maybe even sort of four or six weeks ago. Um, and if you're a buyer, um, you know, why would you why would you invest right now? You know, when you don't know where prices are going to come out in uh, in kind of maybe four or six months time, there's not any great rush, I think, from either side. Um, from either sellers or buyers to kind of um to kind of undertake transactions now, you sort of you know pause and caution are words you 're hearing you know again and again from investors in in sort of every every major market uh, I was talking to someone today who sort of said um you know i haven't taken a taken a deal to my investment committee for for two months apart from a sort of couple of very um you know super safe deals where they were going to be a lender rather than a kind of equity investor on a." on a deal um, just because they know they're probably not going to get get the approval to make the investment when it might be kind of cheaper in four or six months time. Um, So I think in that sense um, you know global investors they're not necessarily moving their money out of real estate straight away. You saw GIC saying earlier this week that they are going to be sort of allocating another kind of two percent of their pot of money um to the real estate sector long term and you know given they've got about 800 billion uh dollars of assets you know two percent doesn't sound like much but that's an extra 16 billion to spend on real estate so they're not necessarily shifting that money out of real estate uh at the click of a finger but um you know they are kind of you know pressing pause on on deals and you know, the summer's come at a good time in that sense, you know, particularly in, you know, Europe and the UK, the August is a pretty slow month for commercial real estate transactions. So, you know, kind of the market can go away and try and work out where prices are are going to be in the, uh, in the longer term.
2: Brokers have said similar sorts of things to me in New York, where there are sellers who don't want to have a knee jerk reaction and, and don't want to be caught out kind of selling at a discount and buyers who are really, really reluctant to make an offer when they think that the, the general consensus seems to be that the prices are coming down. And I was just looking at our um, some of the reporting out of Atlanta from our reporter there, Jared Shank, who was talking about deals that are falling apart across the US. And some of the details were really staggering. There was an example of a buyer walking away from $700,000 deposit on a 40 million apartment deal that was under contract in Texas, and also a 5 million square foot industrial portfolio that was listed in the hopes of getting a billion, but there was only one offer, and it was for 800 million, and so it's now off the market. So there's a bit of a standoff now. What do you think it would take to end that?
1: I mean, I think it's interesting, you know, you mentioned that second deal, You know, industrial has been the absolute you know, poster child of, of real estate, you know, you absolutely flying for, for 10 plus years, you know, every single deal bigger, you know, higher and higher prices. So for that sector, um, you know, to be kind of, you know, experiencing these similar problems, I think is a real testament to just how nervous investors are at the, at the moment that that kind of real darling of the, uh, of the industry is saying this, seeing the same sort of issues. So that, so that's absolutely fascinating. Um, I think in terms of what ends this, I guess, you know, there's there's generally, you know, there's a couple of options, aren't there? There's two a few ways it can go. Either um, you know, buyers can decide to pay more, um, or sellers can decide to sell for to sell for less. Um, in terms of, you know, which way things might swing, you know, it's going to be different for different deals and and you know, different in individual cases. But talking generally, um, you know, for, for buyers, you know, what people sort of say to me is kind of we're at that position where inflation is super, super high. And, you know, it has been higher for longer than people have expected. Um, it's got to it's got to levels that were higher than economists were predicting. You know, maybe, you know, if you look back through BizNow's archives, kind of nine months, a year ago, we were writing articles about inflation. And I think there's a pretty strong consensus. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um that inflation would be quite transitory. People thought it was, you know, we were coming out of COVID um, and that was what was causing inflation. It's persisted for much longer than people have expected and got to higher levels than people have expected. And so central banks, the Fed, the Bank of England, the ECB, are having to deal with that um, and having to raise rates to try and curb inflation at the same time as, you know, trying not to raise rates to the degree that they they actually cause a recession and a, and a sort of deep economic slowdown. And so people don't know, um, you know, where rates are going to go. So in terms of what might give buyers um, the confidence to start buying, it is things like inflation starting to moderate and therefore people being able to say, OK, well, you know, rates are here now and I think they're probably going to top out you know, about here. And therefore, you know, this is what real estate is going to be worth once those interest rates have stabilized. So that, that scenario playing out would start to give people the confidence, okay, like, this is what I think this is worth. And from the seller's side, um, you know, if if this situation persists for longer, um, then, you know, at some point, you know, the, the thing is, there's not a huge amount of pressure on a lot of seller's To sell, um, you know, we are not in a kind of GFC style scenario where there's a lot of you know kind of highly leveraged buyers out there, and I think we'll talk about the comparison with 2008 in a moment. But there will be a point, you know, if you own a property in a fund that's coming to the end of its life at some point, you know, you will probably have to sell that property and give money back to investors, you know, there will be issues with refinancing you know people maybe will try and refinance loans and the bank sort of says well um, you know rather than roll this loan I'd like you to just sort of sell it um, and uh, and sort of pay me my money back so you know you will get to the point um, where people will have to sell and but at the moment I mean it's it's pretty understandable isn't it you know we, we I wrote a piece a few years ago about this kind of psychology of sales and you know if you're a seller you have a price that you think something is worth and you get really really attached to that price and you think even if you made a big profit you know even if you're selling it for 40% more than what you bought it for if you if someone offers you less than what you think it's worth you think of that as a loss that's the way our that's the way our brains work and so kind of people having to reduce prices we're really we really really hate that as human beings and so at the moment um, you know, sellers are kind of uh, holding on to a value that they think a property is worth, but ultimately something's only worth what someone's going to pay for it. And if you have to sell, if you are at that point where you have to sell, then, um, you know, reality will start, to, will start to impinge on people.
2: Is there any sort of sense that there's the distress that never came in COVID is now going to come?
1: I think that's a really good comparison. Obviously, when sort of COVID came um yeah i think a lot of people sort of dusted down their playbook from 2008 and thought you know we would see a similar scenario of kind of distress coming in the in the in the banking system and you know therefore there being a sort of large amount of forced sales um and it didn't really happen you saw a few of the of the mortgage REITs being recapitalized in the in the sort of first first days of the of the crisis because they were they were actually kind of they were borrowing to uh to lend so they were kind of leveraged layered upon leverage and and you know they were they were they were vehicles that were you know highly leveraged and also publicly traded and so um you know their problems were quite sort of short and sharp you saw some deals in those sectors that were really really walloped in covid so hotels and uh retail you saw some sort of distress coming in that sector. But on the whole, um, you know, on top of 10 years of quantitative easing um, and, you know, central banks printing money, governments and banks flooded the flooded the system with even more cheap money. Um, and that allowed, um, you know, not just borrowers, but also banks to, to kind of hold on. Um, you know, this time around, the difference between 2008 is, you know, the kind of amount of leverage in the system is just you know exponentially lower um you know the kind of the the lessons of the 2008 crisis were so severe and people were kind of so scarred by what happened there um that you know banks you know sort of high leverage now is sort of seen as 75 80 percent which is not which means you know if you've got a property that's got 80 debt on it you know the chance of the value falling 20 percent is you know there is a chance in some sectors that values fall that that far but you know it's not the same as when people were kind of 95 97 percent levered so even a tiny fall in value and they were and they were out of the out of the money um, and banks themselves are you know they're kind of tier one capital ratios the amount they borrow against their assets is you know much much lower than during the financial crisis so you know if things go wrong they've the banks themselves have got a bit of a buffer um, to sort of withstand that um, as well as the borrowers that being said you know if you have a loan where you know you borrowed when interest rates were sort of half a percent or one percent and you are trying to refinance it in an environment where interest rates are sort of you know two to three percent um you know that is that is much 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 higher interest rate and so there will be situations where um you know where kind of you know the refinancing does not does not stack up but i think the big difference will be you know the borrower and the bank there'll still be some money left in it for the borrower there will still be some equity there and therefore you know the phrase sort of consensual sales process always sort of strikes me as, you know, just how consensual is that? But, you know, they, the two parties can come to a bit of an agreement and, you know, sort of find a, find a way forward and, and sort of undertake a sale, you know, under less sort of stressed circumstances. So the big, the big difference this time is that because of the level of inflation, um, you know, there will be no get out of jail free card for real estate and for the banks, you know, central banks can't can't put more money into the system. You know the problems that do arise in in this in this scenario will act will have to actually be dealt with rather than the kind of uh, situation being sort of pushed further down the road as as sort of cheap money sort of comes in and saves
2: everyone. So opportunities maybe not distress exactly. I mean I have spoken to people who expect that these interest rates might create some opportunities for them, particularly if they're in the market for like buying a value add office building like there are a lot of seven year old class b office buildings they might go to refinance in the next year or so and just find it doesn't work and want to sell it and there are people who do want to buy those sorts of properties to do them up so that's a potential opportunity that some people are banking might arise in the next year or so with the issue of 2008 I mean in the US there's been a huge push from the government um, from the Fed to say it's we're not in a recession um, is that that people are are people nervous about like 2008 are people like on the phone and when you're talking to brokers and, and people in the industry saying oh it's it, this isn't 2008 is that something that people are pushing
1: I think I think so and I think it's a valid it's a valid point you know this is this is a sort of very different scenario. Um, But also, you know, real estate has a great, uh, and people in real estate have a great tendency to always, always look on the bright side, shall we say. And for, you know, 10, 12 years, we were being told that, you know, super low interest rates was wildly beneficial for real estate, and and it absolutely was. Um, And so when interest rates go up, convert You know, the converse must therefore be true. You know, rising rates are not good for good for real estate. So I think there's still a slight element. You know, people sort of say to me, oh, you know, just because rates go up, you know, doesn't mean that cap rates have to go up and values come come down. You know, there's so much liquidity in the market still that, you know, that will support pricing. And I think it will support pricing. To the extent that you know, during two thousand and eight and the years afterwards, you know, it felt like maybe there was no floor to where real estate values might might go because there was so little liquidity in the in the market from both investors and from banks. That's not going to be the case this time. I mean, to your point about opportunities, um, you know, if you're one of those big kind of global sovereign wealth funds or pension fund of some sort and you don't have to borrow loads of money to to invest or if you're a sort of you know even a private equity fund that's got a bunch of money in your in your fund that you've already raised um you know even if there isn't kind of deep distress of the 2008 variety um you know if you buy something in you know at the end of this year it's going to be cheaper than it was 12 months ago, um, and so that is an opportunity in it in itself. You know, values are pretty likely to go down in you know more more or less significantly in different in different sectors because of the the individual you know kind of um, you know peculiarities of those different sectors. But putting a very broad brush on it, you know, values are going to go down, and therefore, you know, that is that is an opportunity if you've got money to. Spend, you know, obviously, the question then becomes at what point do you start investing? At what point do things, you know, start to stabilize? And people always talk about wanting to buy when things are going down, but just before the bottom is a sort of good place to buy. And you've got to try and make sure you buy, you know, when things are at or near the bottom rather than still going to go down a whole mess further. Um, but if you've got money to spend, it is an opportunity, but yeah, there's definitely. There's definitely a kind of uh, a sense of um, I think that unreality has kind of has kind of burned off slightly in the last four to six weeks. So, you know, I think I think people are pretty reconciled to the fact that as as we talked about earlier, you know, even if it's not a technical recession, um, you know, things are going to be a lot harder and a lot less um a lot less kind of standardised in real estate for the for the upcoming future than they have even you know in the wake of you know the biggest health crisis in a in a century um, you know it was still a, you know vast swathes of commercial real estate were inaccessible to people for months at a time and yet values in the sector you know went up pretty significantly um, which is you know sort of remarkable when you think about it in the abstract. But that situation, you know, is unlikely to be repeated. So even if it's not a technical recession, it's still going to be a far, far more difficult environment in which to invest in commercial real estate.
0: Mike Phillips is our UK editor. You can read our coverage about recession fears at biznow.com. We've got a dedicated page that we'll be regularly updating with our coverage on this issue. There's also some links to articles in the show notes. I'm Miriam Hall. Thanks for listening.